joining me back here at the witching half hour or so. I'm glad to be spending this next roughly half hour with you in your earbuds on your walk while you do your chores, on your commute, whatever it is you're doing. I'm so grateful to be a part of that with you today. Thank you for joining me. Today's episode is the last one in our series on the elements. We started this at the beginning of season two. We have walked through water, earth, air, and now we are at fire. And I know, I know many of you, I can hear you, that there are five elements, that the fifth element is spirit, that ethereal thing, that magical spark of, well, essence of life. That's the fifth element. And I agree. I was taught that as well. Total agreement. I haven't included it in here in this series because like, I, like honest love, I just, I don't even know how to address that topic in regards to meeting the elements, breaking them down, looking at the symbology, teaching on them, I revisit the elements personally in my path every few years. I revisit them, I relearn them, I dive deeper into them. And that's why I'm doing this with you. Because every time we look at these, we deepen our relationship with the four elements and they really are the building blocks of our spell work, of our magic work, of any techniques that we use. And I've studied a few different traditions. I started with Wicca in the 90s, and the elements are there as foundations to all the other things we work. In the fairy traditions I have dabbled in, the elements are there. The traditional witchcraft elements are there. In all the paths I have been down, and in most of the circles I've studied in with the elders I've studied with, Elements play a part, so they're very, very important to our working. Now, before we get way, way into fire, I wonder, let me check my notes. Do I have any um, housekeeping for you? I don't think I do. I don't think I do. It's summertime. I'm recording this at the beginning of summer, so I have been trying to clear my schedule so I can have a lot of fun out enjoying the sun on my skin and just being in nature and rejoicing. Solstice is coming up. This is actually going to air right before the summer solstice on the new moon before the summer solstice. So I hope that your solstice celebrations are blessed and beautiful. I don't know about you, but I feel like there's like a real shifting. This year's been a big shifting year. I know it has been for me. I don't know about you. 
I haven't done my tarot spread yet for the month of June. When I'm recording this, I haven't quite done that. And um, I'm interested to see what comes up because it has really felt like the whole world awoke this spring. I digress again. Okay, let's, let's get to our topic. We're talking about fire. As I've said, the elements are woven into all aspects of magic, and we can find these elements through the zodiac signs as well. The fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. And when we think of gods and goddesses that are related to fire, for me, the goddess that pops right into my mind directly, the first goddess I think of is Bridget of the burning hair, beautiful Bridget. Now her hair is not really on fire, <laughs> but she is often depicted as a beautiful redheaded maiden. She is a burning goddess. She's the beginning of spring. She welcomes in the heat and the passion and transformation. Now, what I find really interesting about Bridget is some scholars have discovered that there's a possibility there was a triple goddess aspect or multiple goddess aspect to the goddess Bridget before the Christians were in Ireland. So Bridget is also known as Brig or Bridget. And there's like a mother aspect to her. They think that the crone aspect was possibly lost when it came to her. It's just, I always found that really interesting. And there's this crossover between Christianity and Irish lore when it comes to Bridget, because she's also known as Saint Bridget of Kildare. So this is one of the times where it's very, very, very apparent that you have a colonizing people overlaying one belief system on top of an existing structure and blending them in, in order to assimilate. And that happens a lot in our history. One of the other things about Bridget, and again, if you read on her, if you deep dive down and start reading on her, this could be because of that kind of triple goddess aspect behind her, is that she is both associated with wells and with eternal flame and fire, right? So there's this kind of strange well watery aspect to her. And there is discussion that that could be because originally she was a triple goddess, not a single goddess in the Irish druidic kind of old, old Ireland pantheon. One of the things that is also very much associated with Bridget is these beautiful knots and they're folded out of reeds and stuff. So she's amazing. She's beautiful. I have found that her energy is very, it's supportive her energy is like spring. She brings in inspiration and is very a supportive energy. There's a real purity to her expression. I don't know if that makes sense. I have done some working and channeling with her and I'm hoping to do more with her. The celebration of Imbolc is Bridget's celebration. And it's a great time to start learning about her. I really do feel her presence quite a bit at that time of year. Yes, so that is Bridget. Now, the other goddess I wanted to talk about in regards to fire goddesses is Kali. 
Now, I know that Kali is like a death goddess, but to me, she is very much a volcano goddess. And anytime I work with her, I can see and feel the red fires and the lava and the volcano. And I think that she's a very misunderstood goddess. I think a lot of people find that Kali is angry or destructive. And yeah, she is a goddess of death and and destruction. However, she's a goddess of transformation. And that's the thing with fire. The element of fire is all about transformation. And she also is not to be trifled with. You don't call Kalima in unless you really want the change. Kind of think of her as like, and I know this is going to kind of sound silly, but like the energy of Kali is like going to the hairdresser and having long locks and just walking in and saying, that's it, I'm ready for a bob. Like, don't say it if you're going to cry about it after the appointment. She's not about getting bangs. Callie is about like transformation, real change. She's a very powerful goddess and very beautiful and compassionate to work with when you are tearing down old beliefs and letting go of things that no longer serve you. So the other goddess that we think of when we think of fire goddesses is Pele from Hawaii. Now, I have not worked or studied with Pele. She is the goddess that is all over Hawaii. And there's many legends about her. Just do a quick Google to find out. Again, she is a mother goddess. In her destruction of the land, in the way she consumes the land, she's also making new land. So there's this kind of theme or idea about destruction and rebirth through her. And they call her she who shapes the sacred land. So there's this idea of as she destroys and consumes and eats the island, she's sculpting it. She's creating new land. So as she erupts and consumes and destroys, she also brings the lava and it hardens and creates new shapes. She's a very powerful and loving, although destructive, mother goddess. And correct me if I'm wrong, like I said, I haven't really worked with her. I have never been to Hawaii, so my knowledge of her is very limited. I haven't worked with her, so I can't speak much more about that. I do know that Throughout the Polynesian islands and erupting islands, there are other goddesses that are similar to Pele. So she has names in different languages and different cultures, similar to how our Greco-Roman gods and goddesses are, are the same aspect, but a different kind of flavor. So it'd be very interesting to learn about that. Since we are talking about fire, I do want to touch on the Greco-Roman pair of gods that are associated with fire. They are war gods, and they are Mars and Ares. And of course, 
we all see the connection, right? Aries is a cardinal sign and it is ruled by Mars in the zodiac. And those are the deities that are associated with fire. What I find interesting about the warrior goddesses or the death goddesses or the destruction goddesses is that they have an aspect of rebirth or transmutation associated with them where the war gods that are associated with fire have that forging kind of, how do I say this? Their energy of transmutation is more about forging in a fire or being battle-hardened or changed through action, through use, through challenge, where the goddesses that are fire goddesses, they're tearing down and building up where I feel like the gods of fire are hardening you, transmuting you, but they're not actually tearing down and rebuilding. They're adjusting what is already there. Taking the steel and hammering it into a sword. I hope that makes sense. I hope, okay. And the last thing I really kind of wanted to touch on was the other sort of entity or divine being that fire is really, really closely associated with is the kundalini snake. That energy that comes from the base, from our root chakra and and raises us up and entwines and serpentines us and helps invigorate us and impassionate us and light us up that kundalini energy that's fire fire energy and the root chakra is fire right it's that big bright beautiful flame that fuels our sense of well-being and our sense of safety and if we're not secure and safe in our root area if we're not well there the whole system is out of balance Fire is a force of transformation, right? Fire is about transforming. Now, as you know from listening to each of these episodes on the elements, each one of the elements can be used for deep healing, for transformation, right? Like air can bring in winds of change. Water can clear. Fire, by definition, transforms you. We are tempered by fire, right? The whole act of taking, whether it is a walking stick or a tool of any kind and reintroducing it to fire just enough to harden the substance, right? Not getting it molten, not 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 getting it shapeable, but just heating and cooling, heating and cooling hardens it, transforms it. Anything fire touches, it changes. It takes paper and makes it ashes. It takes wood and creates charcoal. Fire, by its very nature, transforms. And fire can be very disruptive. 
in the way it transforms. And that brings me to what I kind of want to talk about is the idea of Phoenix fire. Here's the thing. There is a lot in our collective, in our memes and our feeds and as we scroll that really romanticizes the Phoenix fire. As we rise from the ash, as we, as we transform and, and, and great that if that's where you get your inspiration, like you do you. I have lived through a Phoenix fire and what I learned in that process, and I would never go back and undo it. It was the most difficult time of my life. I would not undo it. It was the deepest lessons I learned, but everything burns in a Phoenix fire. Even the things you love, even the things you didn't want to let go of, like, yes, it transforms you. It burns away everything that you no longer need. It gets rid of all of the yuckiness, all of the bad habits, and is so disruptive, you need to recreate your new good habits because everything goes. The year after a Phoenix fire, Nothing is the same. Nothing remains. Everything has changed. The way you look at everything has changed. And it does make you very raw, like that ugly little baby bird in Harry Potter, right after it like flamed. And it's all like pink and ugly and bleh. It does. It makes you very raw. You've been burned away, ground down to the very core. That's all that remains. And fire like that can be sneaky because I don't know if you know anything about real forest fires in a real forest, but the fire goes inside the tree and it goes down underground and it burns the roots. So sometimes when you're dealing with a huge transformation, a phoenix fire, a massive, massive life-changing shift, Those roots stay hot for a while and they can reignite when you least expect it. I'm not going to get into what exactly my fire was. I don't think that's important. Um, Those of you who know, you know. But it did lead me here. It did lead me to this place where I'm in your earbuds. I'm living a much more attuned life. I'm free. I'm really truly free from a lot of things that kept me in cages, both of my own doing sometimes and sometimes not. So Phoenix fire energy is beautiful and powerful, but not pretty or romantic at all and sometimes necessary. And I think that's why when I talk about Kali and the tearing down of systems. And she wasn't the goddess who held my hand through this. So just want to clarify that you don't work with her that closely. But I know the compassion that is needed to let go and transform the way she calls you to. Deep self-compassion is needed. So any goddess who's working on that level, like Callie, that's her whole jam, her whole jam is the destroyer, the ripping down of what is not necessary. So she has 
deeper compassion than those who turn away from what is ugly and ignore and don't change the harmful patterns. Is there anything else I want to say about that? I don't think so. I think I'll leave that there. And I'll move into not all fires need to be phoenix fires and ginormous fires. One of the things I'm learning now working with fire is salamander energy, the slow burn, the gentle burn, right? Kind of like, um, yeah, just the slow burn. That's, I can't think of a metaphor in this moment. I'm usually good with that in the moment. And we can use fire on a small level anytime we want. One of my favorite, favorite ceremonies to do are burning ceremonies. I love me a burning ceremony. So I'm going to share with you a little bit about doing a burning ceremony. Now I'm recording this right before, like right at the beginning of June. In your July love letter from me, I will put in some basics about burning ceremonies. They are a wonderful way to work with things. I find especially because I like to see something like I love a physical representation of the work I'm doing. Love it. Love, love, love it. So one of the ways you can do that is when you're, you know, in your space, whatever it is, and you know there's something that's coming up, coming up for you over and over, you can dive deep into that and journal it out. Now, if you're a drawer, you can, you can make a beautiful piece of art about your feeling, your limit. And like sometimes when we're doing the work, like we don't need to look really hard to see what needs to be changed in our life. Like we know the things. Sometimes it's trickier and we need to do some prep work. None of that really matters. Basically, you write it out. You write it out. And you really feel into what you're writing or drawing. And then at the end of your ceremony, you burn it and you let it go. And there's a lot of teachings around how when we turn it to ash, we're releasing it to our helpers. We're releasing it to the gods. We're releasing it. It's no longer in this realm So the work is now happening on that spirit level. So even if you haven't physically changed it, you're setting up the energetic success by burning it. Does that make sense? Like our spell work, the work we do, it's a physical representation of what we're doing on an astral or emotional or energetic level. So when we have an intention to get rid of something, and we do the spell and we do the burning work and we transmute those thoughts right to ash. The energetic ripple of that is so beautiful. Like our beautiful human imaginative minds can't help but hook on to that. And it helps push our actual actions in this realm into something new. And whenever we doubt it, we can go back and remember those ashes. Another way of working with magic is candle magic. One of the first ways I started working with magic was candle magic. 
I had a candle magic book way back. I think I got it. Geez, I found it at some used bookstore way back in the day. And uh, I did a lot of candle magic. And I still do candle magic to this day. It's, it's a great form of magic. This is too tiny of a moment to get into it all. That is another way you can work with fire. A nice controlled way. There's something about candles, hey? There's just something about them, about having that little flame there. And I used to candle scry. Now it's been a lot of years since I've done that. That was one of my first scrying back in my teens as we used to candle scry. I wasn't very good at it, but I also wasn't as open as I am today. It'd be fun maybe to try that. Maybe I will. Well, my loves, I don't know what else I can tell you. I feel like I'm just going down little rabbit holes now about candles and and scrying. So I think that's all I have to say on fire. I would love for you to rate the podcast, review the podcast, subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. If you haven't already clicked the follow button, I'd love to see you again when I release another episode. Episodes come out on the full and new moon. I have a YouTube page as well. You can find that by searching up the witching half hour or so, or Tarot Talks by Jody Ann. There's a lot of tarot readers on there, so the witching half hour or so will get you probably right to the YouTube page. Links are, of course, on the website. That is jodyannpsychicmedium.com. I will have show notes up, and there is always a link to the website in the episode description. I think that is all. Thank you for spending your time with me. I'm very, very grateful for you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, whatever it is. Okay. Bye, love.
that's a little important thing to talk about.